0: The Bible Leadership Podcast. What up everybody? Welcome to the Bible Leadership Podcast. Connecting your Bible to your leadership and your leadership to your Bible. Well, it's been a little while since we've been able to get a podcast out, but I'm excited to bring you today's interview with Pastor Mark Albrecht of Northbridge Church. Too easy to avoid, must have conversations. While today's episode isn't directly about COVID-19, I think you'll still find it helpful. See, you don't need a crisis to need up-to-date conversations with your team or family members, but crises do tend to attract relational tension. For the organization I lead, all the COVID-19 difficulties have given us new problems to solve, unexpected interruptions, and miscommunicated agendas. So when do we know it's time to have a tough conversation and how do we do it? We're gonna find out together. Here's my interview with Pastor Mark Albright on two easy-to-avoid, must-have conversations. Let's go. What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bible Leadership Podcast. Hey, I'm so excited to have again with us is Pastor Mark Albrecht. And today we're talking about two crucial conversations that we need to have with the people in our organization. Obviously, you talk to the people in your church, in your organization, in your business. But we're talking about two really important conversations that we might neglect, ones that we might not get around to. We, we always talk so much to people, but there's certain conversations that have to get done, and we're going to talk about them today. So number one, Pastor Mark, is embrace hard conversations with staff or the congregation or volunteers or whoever works for you in your organization. So often we veer away from these. and Unless there's a certain personality type that you have, most of us don't want to have tough conversations. And yet, so much health often comes from tough conversations. Pastor Mark, tell us your experience with this. Where did that go wrong for you? And then what had to happen for you to maybe push past some of that? Wow, you just said some real
1: truth about none of us really likes to have hard conversations. Now, people tell me, well, I, I'm kind of averse to those kinds of things. Well, who is it? Everybody is, yeah. right? <laughs> and I find that our natural tendency is uh, when there's a, a difficult situation to not say anything and hope it'll just resolve itself on its own. It'll just get fixed. Yep. And it virtually never happens festers, that way, right? man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it only, it only gets worse, right? And so I've realized uh, over uh, many years of ministry how important it is to be willing to not only step in, but step in uh, quickly in a timely manner to address things. And I really learned this by being on the receiving end of those conversations. I, I go way back to when I was 16 years old. I was a new follower of Jesus and I had moved to a new town and I was, you know, uh, starting out in high school where I didn't know anybody and a girl took some interest in me and we started to date. And so uh, one of the leaders of the student ministry as a part of asked me if she was following Jesus, too. And I said, no, she's not. And he explained to me something I've never seen before. And that was uh, in, you know, in the scripture it talks about not being unequally yoked. And after he showed that to me, he said to me, so when are you going to break up with this girl? And I was, like, totally blown away because he was, uh, you know, teaching me and expecting me to respond with obedience right away. But as I uh, took that in, I realized he was really expressing great care for me and a willingness to confront that right up, you know, look me in the eye
0: and tell me that. So that was huge. What a powerful moment. So you were 16 at this point? Yes. What a great demonstration of, like, what a Christian leader does. Like you just you just go for it. You just, you call them out on their sin. What he what he must have thought of you? Like even even just like a uh, a statement about your potential. You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't he didn't sugarcoat it because he believed in you. He was yes. like well, this kid needs the truth yeah. because he's going places. And it wasn't judgmental. He didn't like
1: really kind of make me feel bad, but he was calling me to a to a standard that Christ followers and I think he saw me as like an emerging leader. What he thought uh, I should be doing,
0: and so I really appreciated him yeah. seeing me that way and challenging me that. I think so much damage is done. And so I want us to talk to just the people who maybe they've got a conversation that they need to have. Maybe it's with a child. Maybe it's with someone on their team. But, you know, Jesus is super clear in Matthew 18. He says, if your brother sins, go show him his sin. Like, like you know, don't, don't be indirect. Don't, you know, say passive aggressive things. Go show him his sin, And I think, of course, it's not always just sin. It's just tension. It's, it's clarity that isn't there. There's things that we need to say. I have jacked some stuff up in the past because I've had a high-level volunteer that I knew was not the right person for this. Mm-hmm. And I let it go on and on. And what happened eventually, so, so in some sense, I'm being dishonest. I'm lying to them by not saying anything. In other words, I'm giving them the impression, no, you're good. This is good. This is how I want it. But that wasn't how it was going to be good, and that wasn't how how God wanted me to act. He wanted me to just be truthful. And it ended up breaking a lot of trust when I finally told them, like, actually, you know what? This isn't working, and this isn't what we need you to do. It was much more hurtful because, dude, you waited, all this right? time you lied to me essentially <laughs> yeah. by not you know loving me enough to just tell me early. Even though it would have hurt them, it hurt them more finding out later. Mark, why do you think— we avoid these conversations? Like, what are some of the things the devil tells us about this? Why it would be better not to say it? You know, it's funny.
1: when when I just talked about that situation when I was 16. The leader who said those words to me, my respect level for him went way up because like, wow, his courage. But I think when we're the one who has to deliver a challenging word, we think we're going to lose a relationship. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a friendship damaged, where um, a person's not going to understand. And so therefore, you know, let's just not do it. Where uh, even though sometimes that might be the initial response, usually over time, relationships are deepened and respect is yes, heightened yes. when someone has the courage to do that.
0: And it is over time. Often often it's a little rough at <laughs> first. Yep, yep, but yep. And I think that's that's even just saying in the conversation, I love you enough, I value enough that I this is normal for relationships that go deeper. So I want to push through it with you so we come out on the other end. More, you know, intimate, right. you know, in, in right. and I way. think sometimes too. when we're talking. You, you mentioned that, like a, a volunteer
1: leader. Um, I think sometimes we think this conversation is all just about performance or task accomplishment, but I think it's really so much a discipleship tool. As uh, we speak into the life of another, God uses that to help that person grow in Christ. Maybe the person that is leading a ministry is in the wrong slot, or maybe they needed that kind of challenge to be help them express their gifts in a different way uh, that wouldn't have happened if somebody didn't uh, challenge them in that regard. And sometimes it's just like uh, learning how to follow Jesus with a greater passion and intentionality. And so it's not just a conversation that needs to happen and you're slapping somebody's wrist,
0: but it's really a part of discipling them and building them that care about you enough to really build into you. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like we could have a whole podcast called Stupid Things Carter Has Done. Um, (laughs) with a a follow-up of (laughs) stupid things, Mark Albrecht's done. (laughs) But what are some things that that we do wrong here? Because while, okay, yes, have the conversation. I've certainly done that wrong and in more than one way. So one of the things I've done wrong is I've undervalued the relationship and I've just kind of like lobbed it at them of like, Hey, you need to do this. And I didn't take the time to nuance that to their particular personality. And sometimes as a leader, I felt like, well, I'm, I've got stuff to do. I'm the leader, so I got, you know, you should just, you should be able to. Right. And and yes, yeah. I in an ideal world, did they have the humility just to flow with that? Well, my leader, bless God, corrected me. Yes, that'd be nice if they had so much Holy Spirit that <laughs> that was oozing out of their eyeballs, no matter what a jerk I act, acted like. But it was undercaring for that soul. And so I think one of the things we just need to make sure that we're doing is you got to slow the boat and say, I value the relationship enough to, as, as far as it depends on me, I'm going to try to do this in a way that honors the relationship. What else, Mark, anything else you think we could do wrong here that might ultimately, yeah, you had the conversation, but you did it so poorly that it's questionable whether or not, you know, you shouldn't have waited a little longer. Yeah. I, there's a
1: time and a place for those things to happen. Yeah. Right. And I find for me that when I let them build up, they come out at the wrong time and they haven't been thought yes, through. Yes. And I just kind of blurt <sighs> out on somebody yeah. and really wound them in the process. Yep, yep. But when you, With intentionality, say uh, reach out to somebody. Say, "I'd like to set up an opportunity to talk to you or have a cup of coffee with you," and you've kind of created the environment, and you can look them in the eye and say it the way that you need to, where it's been prayed through, and you can do it, you know, in the right kind of timing. Yeah, that always works out better than just you know
0: having it come out at the wrong time and and unloading on somebody. And I think even in a context where you're kind of on the same side of the table, maybe you you take them out somewhere or. Or even, you know, you sit down near each other in the office and I found just, you know, trying to be disarming of like, hey, man, I jack up a ton. You know, there's so much I do wrong. And I want you to know that we got to talk about some hard things right now. But I want you to know it's because I love you and because I value you. You know, just lead ins like that can help that go a little bit instead of that awkward like, here's where you suck. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's going to go bad. Um, And even even just sometimes asking the question, are you? are you, you know, are you resonating with what I'm saying? Because especially when it's someone who's maybe under you, you got to give them the opportunity to, to give feedback mm. because there's, there's maybe a power difference in the room. And so I want to take that away as much as I can to say, I don't I'm not just here to slap you. Like I want to know, you know, are, do you think it's possible the Holy Ghost is actually communicating to you right now? Right. You know? right. And you're, and you're showing something with how you do that.
1: You're not only addressing the issue at hand, but you're modeling how those kinds yes, of conversations yes. are supposed to be done. And that has a cascading effect on your church or organization yeah. or what have you. And I, and I do find too, that it's important from a leadership perspective, because often we're in a place as a, as point leaders where we need to be able to have those conversations. And if we don't, many other people around us are looking at us waiting for us yes. to have that conversation. Yep, yep, yep. And no one else can kind of do that in certain settings, except the, the person in charge, if you will.
0: And after and, a while, they're losing respect
1: for you. Yes, yes. And so you think you're making better friends by pulling back. But what happens is you're eroding the respect the team has for you yeah. along the way. And then mm-hmm. and values get kind of rubbed off in the wrong way. And you just lose sight of who you are as a group because uh, the leader doesn't have the courage to have those kind of conversations.
0: Yeah. What goes wrong after a while in the organization? Like if we ignore this, what are the f- evil fruits that are going to start to show up?
1: Well, I'll tell you from uh, an experience that we had. I I found that over time in our church it became somewhat accepted, at least in certain circles, that people didn't really follow through on their word. Mm. And when I first heard that, it, it bothered me, but I didn't really do anything about it. Uh, I heard about it like within our children's ministry that people would uh, be signed up to serve in the nursery or what have you, and about a third of the people that signed up just wouldn't come, and it was kind of expected. Or mm-hmm. you get a text five minutes before the service started that I'm not coming and nobody made an effort to find a replacement. They just left people hanging and it just kind of became oh. accepted. And it kind of began to permeate through our church. And there was probably a sense where people on our staff and leadership were waiting for me to address this. And I, and I waited and I didn't do anything about it, but it all came to a head. We had a, a dinner at our church where uh, the dinner was provided for free, but we asked people to sign up and come to it and, uh, we had a, uh, a family in our church that owned a restaurant, and they were providing food for the number of people that were there. And so they were incredibly generous and supplied food for the, uh, the meal that we had. And over 50 people who signed up to come just didn't show up. And so this uh, family from our church, other generosity, provided food for more than 50 people that went to waste. And when I saw that, that was kind of the one that really tripped my trigger. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. maybe I uh, didn't pick the right time and place, but I felt like something needed to be said to our congregation as a whole. So this isn't quite the,
0: <laughs> quite the, the
1: place that we're going, but I was in a, a, a message context on a Sunday morning where it opened up the door for me to address this. And so I had a moment where I stepped away from the podium and I pulled a stool out and I sat on a stool and I said, I just need to have a conversation with all of you as a church. And I said, it's becoming, um, um, you know, communicated to me that uh, it's that people are not keeping their word here. And that's becoming Mm -hmm. acceptable among us. Yeah. And I kind of walked people through that. And I said, I I don't understand that. that. That's not who we are. We've never been that way. And so it's kind of interesting. I didn't have to say a lot, but I said something and it just there was a hush across our congregation and. People have referred to that back as uh, the stool talk or stool time. And like there was something that really the congregation felt empowered, particularly those people who do honor their word. Yeah. yeah. That this is something we need to be about as a church family. And so they were so grateful. And so and it kind of gave them the tools for everybody else now to have those little conversations about follow through and keeping our word that we all needed to have. So
0: I realized, too, that I gave kind of gave a tool to everybody else by having that conversation also. And I think that's so good for the people that are doing it. We need to remember the people that are doing it right. That's a, that's a kind of an applause for them. You mm. know, it, it's like saying, "Hey, I see you. You guys are killing it, and you your 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 actions are what we want to reward." So I knew about that Northbridge lore about the daddy stool, um, <laughs> so I ripped that off from you just so you know. Like I used the daddy stool recently um, with with some folks in the congregation, but it really just is so <laughs> important because. Um, it needs to be said. Yeah. Like, they're not just gonna know, dude. When, how are they gonna know? Like, you have to tell them. You, you know what I'm saying? Well, whatever we allow, like, we're kind of applauding back in a backwards way, and so we just need to say what we need to say. What about? So let's talk about maybe about this. What about when it's someone that it's not going, they're, it's not going to go well. In other words, they're not going to be at peace with you at the end. What do we do about that? Because there's still, it's, there's still damage happening. Like, there's still. Uh, awkwardness or difficulties happening within the life of the church because X, Y, and Z are are maybe being contributed to by this person, what do we do then, Mark? Yeah, that's when it really gets hard, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Sometimes there's value in having a third person in a conversation like that who maybe is really seen and trusted by both parties who Mm, can kind of help to communicate the heart and spirit behind it. Um, If there's an expectation that the other person is going to behave really poorly, then having a third person in there might one kind of uh, put a cap on the emotions a little bit because there's a kind of a witness to all of it. Um, Yeah, that's good. But it just, yeah, it's just uh, we we can't own the reaction that the other person has to have. You know, Romans 12 says, as far as it depends on you be at peace with all people, we can't make things happen in the life of another person. I think our job is to be faithful, loving, direct with the conversations that we have and trust that God will use it. I think about a story from my past where the conversation did not go well and I didn't expect it to not go well. So it really kind of blindsided me. I had a conversation with someone who uh, wanted to be in a leadership role in our ministry many, many years ago. And I just kind of walked through why I thought that person wasn't ready for it, how they'd be in an apprentice uh, role. And the person didn't speak to me for a year. And it was part of our church. And so finally, we had to have a a mediator involved and a spouse involved to help kind of bring things together. And I can look back from my vantage point and see that that was a really valuable conversation in that Mm. person's life because they went on to be a really fruitful Christian leader. But it was a very painful year for me, for someone that was not only someone in my church, but someone I considered a friend who wouldn't even speak to me because
0: they were so injured. But I think I did the right thing, despite the fact that it was really hard. I really love that, man. What I I picked up is, number one, at the end of the day, and this isn't this is never to justify poor behavior or being harsh, but at the end of the day, if you're the leader, you're the leader. And you you have a responsibility before the Lord to protect those sheep. And he's giving you wisdom. He's giving you vision to understand what they need and what they don't need. And so it's nobody else's job but yours. And you can get help to do it, but you still have to make it happen. I think also what is important to remember is just like, Mark, you just said, you don't know how Jesus is going to use, because you're you're telling the truth, you're honoring them by giving them true feedback. You don't know how Jesus is going to use that hard moment, because we've all had hard moments when someone corrected us or whatever, and is like, yeah, that sucked at the moment. Yes. But honestly, <laughs> for the next six months, you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. You, you replayed that conversation, and, and the Lord's like, no, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, you need to correct, you know, you need to come under that. So, And rarely do you hear that back from people.
1: They tell somebody else that was a really good conversation. They rarely come back and say, hey, thanks so much for having a hard word
0: for me. But you just got to, you know, if the Lord's put it on your heart, you just got to do it. Yeah. I think one other thing that I might bring up with regard to this is the responsibility of the leader to create a culture where feedback is normal and where, um, so in other words, it's not that we won't have hard conversations, but if we're teaching people, you can give me feedback and I'm going to give you feedback, it becomes less of a scary thing because we've seen it now succeed multiple times again and again and again. So getting feedback itself is like, well, it's, you know, it's going to be a little crunchy, but I know that they love me. I know that this is how we do things. And I know it really is best you know, for the organization, for the relationship. Absolutely. I, I totally agree of uh, modeling being coachable
1: and we we need to receive feedback from people within our circle and sometimes people from outside of our circle. Yeah, and if we can do that, and we can receive a hard word every now and again, then it's uh, <laughs> and we share those
0: stories. Yeah. it becomes easier to yes we to share a difficult conversation with That's good. Else. So we talked about the first crucial conversation we need to have, which is embracing hard conversations with you know staff, congregation, volunteers. But you mentioned another conversation in in one of your illustrations there, Mark. About the daddy talk and how you essentially said, that's not who we are. And Mm -hmm. I love that because that's number two, your congregation or your organization. If you're the leader, they're going to become who you say they are. And so we've got to have a lot of time talking about that. You told them who they are, how do we do that as leaders? Is that something you plan out? Like you have certain descriptors that you're like, this is what I'm going to tell my people they are so that they become that. How's that work for you?
1: You know, that was a a lesson learned over time. I was in a a church setting with a a really strong Christian leader, but occasionally he would express a lot of frustration towards the congregation. And I I began to see that one of the uh, unanticipated outcomes of that was the congregation didn't rise to the challenge. They began to see themselves in the negative light with which you spoke mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, yeah. And along the way, I kind of learned this idea that your congregation will become who you say that they are. Yeah. And so as we speak words of life and vision and aspiration, over time, the congregation begins to see that's not just who we aspire to be, but that's yeah, who we yeah. are. I'll give you kind of a different story related to this. Of I love Joe Madden, the manager of the Cubs, uh, he's got a motto called respect 90, which is we run hard from home to first base. And that's like, that's who we are yeah. in the major leagues. A lot of guys who hit a routine ground ball, they give a half hearted effort and don't really run a, run a ball out. He says, that's not who we are. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, when somebody violates that, he'll sit them down, not just to discipline them, but to remind reminder, that's not who we are. Yeah. And so I think uh, over time, a, a pastor really has a powerful opportunity from the platform and from other uh, communication vehicles, to help to speak about who the congregation is in ways that will not only inform the thinking of the people of the church, but even speak into how they will talk about their church to other people. Mm, yeah, and so like uh, I, I remember our our first year as a church, uh, we sent out a church planter, we sent out a, a pastor and a, another family, and we didn't have many. Uh, Uh, much in the way of financial resources at that point in time, but we sent out $5,000 and people said, how can we do this? And we said, because this is who we are. We're committed to multiplication. And over time that became rooted in the DNA of our church. This is who we are. We've uh, given away our Christmas offering every year. We've said, um, you know, God has been generous with us in Jesus and we're called to be a generous church and we are a generous church. And so people over time say, yeah, that's who we are. We're, we're a church of generosity. When we Uh, step out to try something that we've never done before. We say we're we're a risk-taking church. When we feel the Spirit of God calling us to do something, we step out in faith and we take a risk. We're not afraid to fail as a church. And as we kind of say those things, people kind of grab onto that and begin to identify themselves and
0: speak about our church in the same way. I think that's so powerful. I think what we're talking about today is the power of our words. Like we have the power to bring correction. We have the power to, in a sense, prophesy who our people are going to be. And I think that can be hard, in a, especially in a church context or when you're with people that you you know well and you love well, because I don't know about you, but I'll tend to let my guard down. These are my these are my friends. Like I actually work and love all these people very much. This is who I would choose anyway. But it can, it can make me maybe under consider as a leader. Yeah, that's true. You're tight, but your words still weigh the most in the room. Like... Your words weigh a thousand pounds. And so when you're negative Mm. or or when you say something negative about so-and-so or or about the the direction of this project or whatever, dude, you don't even know how hard that just hit the ground. And just as leaders, we need to be more intentional. Lord, Holy Spirit, place a guard over my mouth so that I only say things that are going to give grace to the hearer and help my people really believe that I'm behind them. And I believe that, man, they can run through a troop leap over a wall, they can conquer hell in in Jesus' name. You you know what I'm saying? Like, I need if I'm not giving strength to my people, it it makes me tremble. Am I taking away strength from my people? Mm. You know, the very ones, um, and I don't even know it because I'm just being careless. Yeah, we we tend to think
1: uh, as, uh, you know, leaders, I'm using my fingers in quotes of, we think we're just kind of one of the other people around the table. And so as people are sharing opinions, thoughts, that we're just one more of them. But we forget exactly what you said. Our words have a different weight because of the role and responsibility that God has given to us. And so our words really matter. And so the ability to speak life and to cast vision and to put forward pictures for our church family to see that they can grab onto, that gives uh, so much more to the hearts of our people than we recognize. How do we get better at this, Mark? (laughs) Uh, There's no question that stories are a part of that, right? Telling stories. We're trying to Mm -hmm. do a better job in our church about telling stories um, there's so many kind of cool things that are happening in the life of the church in this corner or that corner. And so being able to kind of pull those stories out and hold them up and not just hold up that person or that ministry, but to say this is an example of who we aspire to be and who we're becoming. Yes, I And as we you know share those kinds of things, I think the, the church family grabs onto that and, and loves that and celebrates that. And it begins to form minds and hearts around
0: that. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think maybe an, an additional strategy is... Just to, like, ask your key people, I need you to tell me when I just said something that I don't really understand what I just said. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just in, whether it's, you know, whether it's during the bullpen between messages or whatever on, on, a, on a weekend or just, you know, after a staff meeting. Of, of just having some ones that you you've communicated, I trust you. When I say something dumb or I say something that maybe just hurt people in a way I don't understand – I need you to tell me and also give, give me a little bit of props. Give me a fist bump. When I said something that probably just lifted the room in a way that I didn't totally see. And I need to like do more of that. Mm. Um, I think, I think we're all better off when, when there's just people around us that have our back telling yeah. us when we're dumb and when we're smart, yeah. because I don't know the difference. Catching people doing things right is yeah. as important as catching people doing things yeah. wrong. You know? And we need to have receive that both yeah. sides of that. Yep. That's it. Well, Mark, this is so good. We talked about um, just these two crucial conversations that we need to have with our organization. We need to use our mouth to represent the truth to our our volunteers, our congregation. We need to sometimes have the hard conversations. And then at the same time, we need to be able to speak life, speak positively, even prophesy in a certain sense, who our people are going to become because our voices often carry the most weight in the room. Thank you so much for uh, coming back and being on the podcast. Mark, tell us any other final tips you've got for everybody. You know, I just think about
1: these conversations about a boldness, a a Holy Spirit inspired boldness. I find as I get older, my natural tendency is to just want to put my arms around people and uh, encourage, you know, and, and never go to difficult places. And I have to remind myself that if this is the role and responsibilities God has given to me, I need to be up for the challenge. Yes, sir. And I need to say, Lord, just give me the strength and the boldness
0: to lead our church family, our organization well. And that's so good. That speaks to my heart. Hey, brother, thanks again so much for being here. And will you come back? Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like more leadership content like this, check out BibleLeadership.com. Check out our YouTube channel. And if you want to support the Bible Leadership Podcast, go to Patreon.com slash Bible Leadership. Now here is your closing leadership tip. Let's not underestimate how much may ride on our obedience. Think about when God called Moses and how much God could have told him about the future that would have been amazing, but God didn't tell him. All he wanted Moses to do was to obey. He didn't tell him about the kings that would come through their line. He didn't tell him about Solomon and the great things that would uh, be ushered into the kingdom of Israel. He didn't tell him about the Messiah. He didn't tell him about the church that would come later on. He didn't tell him any of this stuff. And there are things that God is not telling us about the dramatic results of our obedience. So don't take confidence with the flesh. Let's take counsel with the Scriptures and wise counsel of the Holy Spirit. I really believe one day in heaven we're going to realize that our disobedience cost us much more ground than we ever imagined and our obedience had far greater long-term impact than we ever imagined. We'll see you next time.